The Women in Media podcast is proudly sponsored by Organic Traditions for spring 2024. Stay tuned for a special deal during this episode. It's Sarah Burke here, the host of the Women in Media podcast. Today's guest and I, well, we have a few things in common career-wise. We both attended Fanshawe College. We both shared the airwaves at 102.1 The Edge here in Toronto, and we currently share the airwaves at Indy 88. And while she may always sound happy and like she has a ton of energy, the truth is she's been through a lot these last few years. Did I make the right decision getting pregnant? I start going down that dark road and then I'm like, what am I thinking? Like this, we're talking a job versus my my baby. Like this is yeah. this is ridiculous. This shouldn't even be a question, you know? Um, but it was almost like my biggest fears had come true. You know, it was like that little like part of me, that, that little voice that I buried telling me maybe not to grow my family. It, it was all of a sudden like screaming at me and I was like, I should have listened to it. But then I'm like, why, why would I ever, you know, let this dictate what I wanted to do in my personal life? My guest today is Indie 88 midday host, Melanie Mariani. Did I say your name right, by the way? You know, what's funny is that <laughs> I always say Melanie Mariani, but in Italian, it's actually Mediani. So you were right. So you're joining me from your bedroom right now. Um, you've been working from home a lot of the last calendar year. Uh, and as someone who, you know, loves interacting with callers on your show and, you know, just people in general in the office, has that been an interesting pivot for you to be working from home? Yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't feel like I'm working in radio when I'm working from home. Yeah. Uh, all of the elements that make radio my passion and what I love are not with me in my bedroom. <laughs> Um, I, I love interacting, like you said, interacting with callers. I love playing audio. I love hitting buttons. I love listening to music. When I'm at home, I'm stripped of a lot of those things. So um, yeah, it's been a struggle. Having said that, I am so grateful that I'm able to do it. Because honestly, I don't know what I would do if I, I wouldn't have been able to work a lot of the time having, you know, two kids with the schools open and closing, open and closing. Um, it's kind of, it's been a real blessing for us that we, that I have been able to work from home. I've been super fortunate, but when it comes to what I would prefer, uh, being in studio, 100%, yes. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, especially with, you know, at the time of this recording, we've got the Freedom Convoy rolling across we'll call it Ontario, but really like this is something that the world is viewing. This is being covered in the news everywhere. And I think to myself a lot right now, how would I be dealing with this if I was on air every day? It's been like just tough couple years in general, right? Like no one wants to talk about COVID all day. No one wants to talk about racism all day. There's been terrible things going on in the world, right? So how have you like found a way to keep your show not only like knowledgeable when there's something that you need to tell the audience, but, you know, really like coming from a place where you're feeling the same way, frustrated like everyone else. Uh, that's a great question. I really like to dial into the tone of the world. So my way to do that is is listening listening to everything, to things that I don't agree with, listening to friends, family members that have different opinions than me, and really trying to swallow my pride, crush my feelings down a little bit, and, um, and, 
and have a, a, a good conversation and not just that, but just to listen to all of the different perspectives that are out there. Um, I think that listening is the most important thing that you can do right now uh, when really trying to be empathetic in talking about certain scenarios, especially controversial subjects like what's going on in the world right now. Um, listening is huge for me. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's something that I like to pride myself on that I, that I think I do well. Um, so listening and kind of getting the tone of, um, of the different perspectives that I'm getting and then um, putting that tone out through my show and on the airways and really trying to resonate with any, everybody and having a sort of an opinion, but also keeping, in, keeping an open mind to the fact that there are others out there as well. No, it's, it's so important. Yeah. It's so hard, Sarah. When I was filling in for some of you guys, I think I was doing your show actually, December 2021. And it's like, just as like Omicron was like going out of control, right? Like you can feel the vibe that people are feeling that day because even yes. at the mention of like, hey, just an FYI, you know, Ford is going to hold a press conference at this time. Maybe you're just passing along just the news piece, right? Put your own spin on it. But then like texts roll in where it's like, you guys shouldn't be doing this. You guys shouldn't be pushing that. Like everyone's angry. Right. So yes. I, I sympathize with what you're saying. And I completely agree that listening has been a big part of it. I think that being being uh, vulnerable as well and being able to be real when you're talking about things, people really relate to that, whether they believe you or not, whether they are on board with your opinion or not. I remember when the pandemic first started in March of 2020, there was a, um, a moment on air um, where I was talking about COVID and I started to cry on air. And it was one of the only times in my entire career that I started crying. And um, I remember a guy called in and he was like, I, the, when you were talking about COVID and you started crying, I felt you so deeply. And I think that that's, I've been listening to you for a long time. And I think that that's like the, the most I've ever connected to you. And I remember thinking like, that was horrible. I didn't even know what I was saying. I was blubbering, I was stuttering and the words were not coming out. And I just started crying. And here I am, you know, relating to some people that have been listening for a long time just through that alone. So sometimes it's not even about what you say. It's just, you know, about how you say something or, or crying, apparently, you know? <laughs> oh, I've cried. I cried my last day on air when I was like resigning um, from Chorus, actually, to come to SiriusXM in Toronto, just because you're like, you know, you have such a bond with your listeners. You have regulars. You yeah. lo we love what we do at the end of yeah. the day, right? Like it's hard to I don't know. It's hard to anticipate how change will look. Right. Yeah. So what has been the most difficult moment for you on air your entire career? Oh, I'm going to want a celebrated moment as well after. So don't okay. worry. This ain't all doom and gloom, but the most difficult moment. Um, there have been quite a f there's there have been quite a few difficult moments. Um, uh, the, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement um, was something that really uh, spoke to me. Um, it really opened my eyes to, to what I wanted to be, uh, who, I, who, I, who I already was that I didn't think that I was portraying and I hadn't thought about it before. Um, it really made me uh, aware of the fact that I need to speak out more about things that, I'm, that, that I feel strongly on that may be a little bit controversial in order to make a difference. Um, and really made me want to learn more. Uh, that was something that was very, uh, that, that whole movement. Um, I, I won't, it, it was just difficult to really 
express how much, uh, how, how badly I wanted to be an ally, but I felt like I wasn't doing enough. So that was something that I was, uh, that I, I look at in my career as a kind of a turning point where I realized I needed to do more. I needed to step up more. Another time was when I found out that I was going to be a mom. That to me was really difficult to talk about that on air. Really? Yeah. And I think that it's because when you go from, you know, being a a single gal in your 20s, being fun, being out, being social, uh, going to bars, you know, going to gigs, this is all part of your brand, who you are. And then you find out that you're going to be a mom and your brand instantly changes. And you're like, oh, okay. All of a sudden, my, my values are different. You know, it's, it was a really big uh, switch. It was like a light switch went off in my brain where all of a sudden things that I cared so much about, um, I didn't really care that much about anymore. And so trying to figure out how I felt about that, this new brand and kind of try to uh, figure out what I could do with it and how I could utilize it and also how I could balance it. Uh, those things were, that was a really difficult time. That, I mean, a, a lot of times women, they celebrate finding out they're pregnant. I celebrated. Don't get me wrong. I was really excited. I felt so blessed. But yeah, it, in my career, um, I, it was definitely a switch. So what show were you doing when you found out you were pregnant with your first? So uh, I, <laughs> what show? Uh, so I was doing the, uh, the morning show with Fred. So uh, Fred and I did a morning show, Fearless Fred, Fred Kennedy, uh, together on uh, 102.1 The Edge under Chorus. And we did a show together, a morning show that was an absolute blast. Um, probably the most fun that I've had in my career. Um, and uh, I, yeah, that's when I found out. And uh, right away, I did. Yes, I told him immediately uh, because, you know, when you're doing a morning show with somebody, it's basically a marriage. You have to be open (laughs) about about everything. Um, And also, I was so nauseous. So I had to do the show with a garbage bin beside me. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, he needs to know. Otherwise, he's going to be like, go home. You're sick. (laughs) Um, But yeah, yeah. So I was doing the show with Fred at the time when I found out. Mm. And I was 20, 28. So I was pretty young. Okay. And how soon did you share, you know, this little secret that you and Fred were keeping with your audience? Yeah, I think that it was probably about the three month mark, three or four months when I made it public uh, to, I guess, my family, my friends, social media. Uh, we decided to talk about it on air. And honestly, I did not, I can tell you, I did not feel super confident in talking about it on air because of, you know, what we talked about that um, my brand was going to change. And I was, I was really nervous about that because I kind of built this brand around being the, the young, fun girl that, you know, goes to the concert and has some beers and um, has a good time and doesn't, is not really tied down to anything. Uh, That was like, that was my, that was my thing, you know, talking about uh, uh, trying to be relatable to like the mid twenties crew that um, were still trying to, you know, I guess maybe build their identity and build who they were and, and build the relationships when it comes to love. And, um, and then all of a sudden I was like, I'm going to have a baby. And a lot of everything was like, it was like, oh, okay, now what? Now I, I can't go. Uh, I mean, I can go to concerts. I'm not drinking anymore. Um, I'm going to be home a lot more. Uh, suddenly I'm going to be talking about, you know, having vomit in my hair from my baby and not myself. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> that's going to be a bit of a change, you know? Um, so, so yeah, that, uh, I, that made it, uh, hard for me to, to talk about it. Cause I didn't feel that confident in it yet. I was terrified, which I'm sure a lot of women are when they find out that they're pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. So your, your first is Vera, right? Do I have that yes. right? Vera, yes. two girls, right? Margo's the second, yes. right? Okay. Yeah. Vera uh, and then um then two years after Vera I had Margot yes right now do you share more about being a mom than you would have back then even after your first um I, no I think that I've always shared a lot um I've always shared a lot sometimes I actually go back and I look at things that I have shared when they were little bit little bits when they were born and I kind of laugh at how hard I thought it was because <laughs> I'm <laughs> If only I would have known what it was going to turn into and just how much more challenging it would get. <laughs> I mean, having said that, I, I, they weren't that, I mean, it wasn't that hard. It, it was, it, I don't look back and I think that, um, that it was, you know, there was other, there was things I could have done differently. It's just more so, uh, thinking like, oh, wow. I thought that, you know, I was in the thick of it <laughs> when I'm, well, I'm way more in the thick of it now. You've had like, you know, lots of great moments where you sort of like figured your, your personality, your brand out, even if they were difficult moments. If we're talking like a personal victory on air. Uh, when I, on a deeper level, um, I say that talking about my mental health on the air uh, is, is probably like one of the most satisfying things that I've done because uh, especially recently, um, I've, I'm somebody that's, that has mental health problems. I have horrible anxiety. I have suffered from depression in the past. And being honest and talking about those things to my listeners and having them be able to write in and express how much they were able to relate with me and, and oh, what I've been the through, best. that to me, um, that has been the most rewarding part of being on air. And uh, I'm working for, I'm lucky enough right now to be working for a company that is so supportive of talking about whatever I want. Um, and they really do like to champion you as an individual and they love you being vulnerable and real. And I have never had that. Uh, I've never had that to the extent that I have it now. And um, being given that outlet to be able to connect to people on such a, a huge, huge matter, um, like um, I'm talking about mental health, that has been the most rewarding part of my career, I think. It's been so great. you're you're talking about like, you know, even recently sharing how you just uh, in the last year really started taking fitness seriously. I saw your post the other day. And yeah. How that's mm. become such like an important part of your routine to keep everything good up here. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, I had uh, I suffered uh, uh, some mental health issues when I got uh, let go when I got fired um, uh, when I was pregnant with my with my second daughter um, and then I had some more uh, mental health issues come when the pandemic started uh, in 2020 and then um, I took up working out I took I took it up 
<laughs> say. Um, but yes, and I started at music has always been very therapeutic for me. It's been uh, it's been a form of therapy. And uh, I put together a playlist that made me feel really good, really, really, really empowered, really sad, uh, really happy. And um, and I just started lifting weights. I started walking. I started uh, using a rower that I purchased for 75 percent off in my basement. Yes, girl. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, I'm all about those deals. And uh, and yeah, and I. I realized suddenly, you know, I was listening to Billy Joel Vienna while lifting weights and I, and like would start like crying. And I'm like the, you know, this song is something that's like so personal to me in my life that other people wouldn't necessarily have that personal connection with. But for me, it brings out this emotion in me that I, I, I'm able to like release through working out. It's really been an incredible experience for me, my, my workout journey when it comes to releasing all of my anxieties, all of my, my, um, my frustrations, anything that I might be angry about, <laughs> which apparently is quite a few things these days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you can lift a lot heavier if you ca- catch yourself in the right mood, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You can. You get it. I've been doing a, yeah, just a ton of that over the last two years. So I feel yeah, you. I feel right? you. And that to me is so important, you know, especially having raising two girls in the world right now is that body positivity and to be able to put our focus on exercise around our mental more than our physical. That That's what I loved about your post. Yes. Yeah, that needs to happen, Sarah. Like, I feel like we need to get on the roofs of our homes or our condos or wherever and just scream out the <laughs> the mental effects that exercise have, you know, <laughs> rather than the physical, because we've just been, you know, taught to think that we need to look a certain way, you know, especially as women and uh, as uh, to get ahead. And then it's like, we don't need to look anyway. We need <laughs> we to feel good. We need to feel good. And that's all about our brain, you know, like it's, it's really important. So um, I'm glad that you uh, were able to see where I was coming from with that post. Oh yeah, for sure. So, I mean, you just mentioned you, you were fired, let go from chorus and I've been lucky enough to not go through that yet in my career could happen to anyone in this business. And we, we sort of like sign on the dotted line knowing that, right. When you start, yeah. you started out West, if I remember correctly, is that, is that right? I did. Yeah. I so sure did. share the journey to the edge from out West and then to, you know, the point where you were kind of caught off guard there. Yeah. So uh, for sure. So I went to school for radio broadcasting at Fanshawe college in oh, London. Yes. I loved the program. It was amazing. I had so much fun going to school there. I feel like I learned a ton. Um, Right out of school, I was applying to every single on-air job that I could across the country. Uh, I applied for a full year to every job. I'm not kidding. I went on that site, Milkman Unlimited, every day (laughs) for like for a year. And I applied to every radio job that came up that was an on-air gig, everything. Um, And then finally, I got uh, a call from a small little radio station called Moose FM, 100.1 Moose FM in Fort St. John, BC, which if you don't know, is like almost by the Alaskan border. Oh, sweet. It way up north in BC, way up north. And it's uh, it's uh, east as well. So it's like close to Alberta as well. Um, anyway, so I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. I was 20, 21. And I'm like, let's go. So um, I moved out there and I did a midday show out there. And for small radio stations, you have to know how to do a plethora of things in radio. I was going to say 14 things. Yes. Yeah, 14 things. Yes. Yeah. So I, I was also the production manager. So I was the production manager. I was the midday announcer. And I also did some sales at 
out there as well. Oh, um, yeah. Which, There's something uh, I didn't know. I didn't know you had a career in sales and radio. <laughs> Hey, uh, it did not work out. Let me tell you, I put all of my time and energy and focus on being on air. That's what I wanted to do. So I did the midday show out there. Um, I lived out there. While I was out there, uh, I was dating my now husband. He was my my boyfriend at the time. And he was in Brampton. And uh, he called me one day and he was like, Melanie, I was listening to Bookie on the edge. And I heard Bookie talking about hiring an intern for the intern army. Have you ever thought about applying? And I was like, you know what? No, but I love the edge. I've listened to the edge my whole life. I'll apply. So I applied um, and I got a call back from uh, from the intern army leader at the time. And she was like, do you want to come be in our in the intern army? And I was like, I thought about it and I was like, you know what? Yes. Even though I'm leaving, you know, this paid midday announcer gig in the middle of nowhere, production manager sales, like I'm learning. Uh, I had been there for a year at the time. I was like, I want to get I want to get back home. I want to get Toronto. I want to get my foot in the door at the edge. And I feel like this is a great opportunity. So uh, I did that, moved home, started working at, well, interning at the edge. With a month of interning there, um, a receptionist position opened up. And I was like, you know what? What better foot in the door than a receptionist position? I can get to know everybody that works here. So I applied for the receptionist gig. Ended up uh, getting the job, uh, which was amazing. Uh, and I started working as a receptionist for Chorus Entertainment in Toronto. So Chorus, who owns The Edge, um, Q107, and it was AM640 as well. And uh, and I got to know everybody. And within a year working there, um, the program director at the time, Ross Winters, uh, he was looking for somebody to do overnights and weekends on The Edge. And I was like, this is my opportunity. This is it. So I went in with my demo. And uh, he was like, let's throw you on. So I started doing overnights and weekends at the edge. From there, I got hired to do uh, the weekend morning show. From there, I got hired to do afternoons with Fred Kennedy. And from there, we started doing the morning show together. And then I started doing the morning show with Adam Ricard after they moved Fred which was a whole time when during my pregnancy. Yeah, that's kind of when it all went down. <laughs> but I really climbed the corporate ladder, if you will, Sarah. Um, <laughs> yeah. To 10 years later, morning show on the edge. It, I, uh, I worked my absolute butt off more than I've ever worked in my life for anything. So um, uh, when I was doing the morning show with Fred, that's when I found out that I was pregnant with Vera and we, my first, and we talked about this, how I felt. And then when I went on my mat leave, I found out that they had moved Fred back to afternoons and that they wanted me to come back after four months. So I had had Vera was four months old and they wanted me to come back and start a new show with a new person. Ooh, it's Sarah Burke here, the host of the Women in Media podcast and the founder of the Women in Media Network. Yep. Now there's an entire network. I've been working really hard to get things off the ground. And what would I do without coffee? I can barely function without it. But I feel much better about putting a coffee that's full of superfoods in my body. I've been loving the Focus Fuel Instant Mushroom Coffee from Organic Traditions. And of course, all the ingredients are organic. It's packed with lion's mane mushroom to support memory, focus, and cognitive function, adaptogens to nourish your brain, and MCT powder to boost your energy and improve mental clarity. And before you make that face, no, it doesn't taste like mushrooms. It tastes like coffee. 
actually better than most. There are hints of cinnamon and vanilla, and it is absolutely delicious. Did I mention it also just won Best New Mushroom Enhanced Beverage in a 2024 Brand Spark survey? Want to try the Focus Fuel Mushroom Coffee yourself? Head to OrganicTraditions.com and use the promo code WOMENINMEDIA20 for 20% off at checkout. And by the way, that applies for the entire site, not just the coffee. You're welcome. Just add water and get at it. If Chorus didn't have anything to do with when you would return from that first mat leave, if it was in fact up to you, were you planning the full, the full mat leave? Only because I, you know, I often hear women saying that they want to go back earlier than the mat leave is finished. Absolutely. I wanted to go back. Uh, I had said six months. So after six months, I was going to go back. I think that um, women say a lot of things. I think that we say things because we're worried that something's going to happen to us. So we leave before we have our baby saying, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll be back in four months. I'll be back in six. months. I want to come back. I love my my job. And really, we're thinking in our head, like, I'm a little worried to be off work for a long for my full mat leave. What are those things? What are those those things that you think about when you're off? For me specifically, um, I I know that I didn't want to be replaced straight up. Um, I was like, if I'm gone, um, maybe they'll realize that I uh, that they don't need me as much as I think that they do and they will bring somebody else in or maybe they will because because we had talked about how how I had felt that my brand was changing, how I had felt vulnerable. Um, maybe they will replace me with somebody that is young, that can fill that role of that, you know, young girl that's that's is that's going to concerts, that's, you know, still out there and is not tied down to having a baby. And these are things that, you know, you're thinking because it's all new and you're trying to figure out where you belong because you're making that massive switch and, and, and growth in not only, you know, your career, but your life. Um, I also think that, um, we, you know, women, when we say we're going to go on mat leave, we, we think that it's going to be like easy to come back, you know, after four months or six months. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, wait, this is hard. Like, it's hard to have a baby. And oh, I'm bond. I want to bond with my baby. All of a sudden I feel this love I've never felt before. I don't want to rush back to work. But, you know, we've made these commitments. And a lot of the time they are to men who will never, ever be able to uh, understand, you know, on the level that we would want them to, uh, what it would be like to give birth and then go back to work. You know, I'm not taking give birth. I don't want to take anything away from dads because, you know, a lot of dads, it's hard for them too. like they're it's their baby, you know, they're bonding and then they've got to go back to work. That's a whole other issue. But um, giving birth out of your body is a is definitely a different experience um, mentally, physically, emotionally than uh th- yeah and then a, a man would have we'll say we'll, we'll keep it at that yes yeah 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 um so yeah so um after you know uh, them wanting me to come back vera would have been four months you know i just figured out how to breastfeed i was breastfeeding her we're talking a morning show sarah so i'm up at 3 30 in the morning sitting downstairs pumping out my full breasts with milk for about half an hour trying to get milk out so that i can leave to go to work so that you know brad can my husband can feed the baby while i'm away um and it was very it was very traumatizing to do that uh four months was definitely not long enough of a maternity leave. This is all on me, by the way. I said, you know, I would, 
I would come back. Right, right. Um, so I, I had made the commitment. The chorus was amazing. They were like, we'll help you out. We'll even, you know, help with your, uh, with your ride. We'll help with gas payments because they knew that I was living far. And um, they were like, we're not going to expect too much of you. You can leave at the end of the show. Like, they were great. So this was on me, but it is still, it was very, very difficult. It was hard. Yeah, right. Once you return, yes. um, how does the conversation go about where your show is going since Fred is now in afternoons? Yes. So then um, I started doing the morning show with a friend of mine, Adam Ricard, who had been at the edge for longer than I had. So um, he's he was a legend at the edge. And I was so pumped to work with him because he uh, not just a great talent, but a great friend. So him and I started to do the show together um, in March um, and then. We did the show together for uh, two years, I believe. I think it was about a year later. We'd been doing the show for a year when I found out I was pregnant or maybe a year and a half. I found out that I was pregnant with my uh, with my second. And uh, this experience was a lot, uh, a lot more exciting for me because I had already developed my brand as, you know, being the fun mom, the cool mom. <laughs> That's so lame. <laughs> yes. I'll never say it again. Um, and, and, I, and I was excited about who I'd become and who I was. I felt more confident. Um, but at the same time, I, um, I felt I still had that little bit in me that was like... I don't know if I want to leave the show right now. You know, I don't know if I want to leave. I'm, I love my job, but here I, I, I want to grow my family and I want to have another baby. And we were so excited to get pregnant again. I'm very fortunate to get pregnant again right away. Um, so it was about um, uh, a month after I had told, announced my pregnancy, made it public that, um, that I got fired um, I got let go. So Adam and I, our show got canceled. Um, and it was a really, really hard time. It was, uh, I, I said, I, I developed a lot of uh, mental health issues after that. I didn't sleep. I didn't eat a lot. I was pregnant. So um, I had to go for a lot of stress tests. I had to go to the hospital a lot. Um, it was just, it was a really, uh, it was a hard time. It was really a, a humbling experience because being, you know, it's, it's crazy because I felt like I was honestly in a, in a 10 year relationship. Like I had, I had built it. I had grown it. It was all I'd ever known. I spent my, you know, all of my twenties in this relationship. And then, um, and then just like that, it was like, like cut, like see ya, like nothing, no, um, packing up your stuff after 10 years, no saying goodbye to any of the people that had been in your life every day for the past 10 years. It was just like, it was cutthroat and that's the industry, right? That's, that's what like happen at any time sign up for when you start working in media. Um, but you know, it was especially difficult for me because, because I was pregnant at the time. Um, and because I had, I, I felt, um, so hormonal and um, emotional. Um, and I had already had that, that worry in my head that, that I, I wasn't sure if I should have another baby. And, and then I was like, did I make the wrong decision? And then I'm like, what am I thinking? What am I talking about? You know? Um, so it was a, yeah, it was a really, really hard time after that. Yeah. If for anyone who's been in like therapy before, right? Like there's like a lot of bad self-talk that happens. You have to talk yourself out of what you're saying about yourself internally. 
yes. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm like, did I make the right decision getting pregnant? And then like, and then I start going down that dark road. And then I'm like, what am I thinking? Like this, we're talking a job versus my, my baby. Like this is, yeah. this is ridiculous. This shouldn't even be a question, you know? Um, but it was almost like my biggest fears had come true. You know, it was like that little, like part of me that, that, um, that little, that little voice that I buried telling me maybe not to, to grow my family, um, it, it was all of a sudden like screaming at me and I was like, I should have listened to it. But then I'm like, why, why would I ever, you know, let this dictate what I did, what I wanted to do in my personal life that I was so passionate about, you know, now I look at it and I'm like, oh my God, my Margot, she is absolutely everything to me. And I'm, I, I, I would never even compare the two now, but at yeah. the time, you know, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. Yeah. So what about like female to female here? Cause um, you know, one of my early episodes is with our colleague, Josie, for anyone who doesn't know, I used to work at the edge as well, like as a part-timer. And it's so funny hearing like all the reservations that you had about going on mat leave, because at that time, you know, just knowing you as someone who did have a full-time job at the edge when I was like a part-timer, you know, I thought, I thought you had the world. I always looked up to what you were doing. I also have to say you were always so welcoming as someone who was like not always around. You always made me feel so welcome. So thank you for that. Oh, Sarah. Well, you made it easy. <laughs> let me tell you. But there was a time where Josie mentioned on an earlier episode that she did feel like the environment there was not the best woman to woman. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that? Um, yeah, I, I 100 percent agree with her. I worked with Josie for eight years and her and I were never close. Her and I never, ever bonded. We never had a relationship. Um, I was doing the morning show and she was doing middays. I was doing weekends and, you know, we were close. We were like, we should have been close technically because we were working in the same environment, uh, in the same studio. We saw each other every single day. And, um, and we did not, we didn't have a good relationship. We didn't have a, we didn't have a friendship. Uh, it's really weird to even think about now. Um, but yeah, we, I think that Josie and I were made to look at each other like we were each other's competition, which is bizarre because I never felt that way about her. She never felt that way about me. We've learned since then. But at the time we were made to believe that it was either, you know, what, what me or her doing what we were doing on air. Um, and I think that that is something that is curated sometimes in a in a foundation. They, uh, um, I think that a, a lot of corporations want to bring out that that hunger, you know, in in particularly women to see who's going to step up and who's going to get it. Um, and that environment is not healthy for anybody. Yeah, and like um, I look at you guys now, and like you know. Did you have any any thoughts on like how weird that might be with Josie when you were coming to Indy 88? How did that? All, all I could think was I hope that she knows how much I respect her uh, as a professional, uh, as a person, as a mom, as a mentor. She's somebody that I've always looked up to, up to always. Um, and I, I, I was mad at myself that I'd never expressed that to her because I wasn't in uh, a comfortable situation where I felt like I could have. Um, and since we've been at Indy, her and I have had so many heart to hearts and have been able to talk about, you know, our eight years, you know, in the previous relationship that we had had 
and what that meant to us and um, and how that didn't bring out the the best in us to each other. And now she is one of my favorite people. Um, I've told her things I haven't told anybody and we have really formed this amazing bond. I tell her all the time we're bonded now for life. For life. <laughs> yeah. Like no matter what happens to us in our careers, it's like her and I have this very special bond now. Um, and I've seen this like amazing side in her uh, that I never ever saw in our eight years, you know, working together previously. So um, I really think that environment plays, your environment plays a huge role in your relationships. So true. Now, what do you think the lesson learned there is? Do you think it might be something along the lines of like, be more vulnerable around other women? Yeah. Yeah. And be more real and, and, uh, and don't worry about looking stupid. Don't worry about saying something that you think is stupid because, uh, yeah, I think that it's so important being more vulnerable, being real with other women. I think that just simply complimenting women, you know, if we, if, if I felt that somebody um, was, you know, especially when I look at Josie, for example, I'd always looked it up to her. She was very inspiring to me. She was a mentor to me, but yet I never told her that. Why? Why did I not tell her that? You know, and then when we were in the right environment, I I poured my heart out to her about all the, uh, about how much she meant to me. And I think that it's really important, you know, as women that we genuinely need to tell each other what how much we love each other, how much we inspire each other. It, it could be as simple as uh, you look amazing today. Like you look really good. What are you doing differently? You look great. To uh, you said something yesterday that completely changed my perspective on something. You know, um, I always am listening to other female broadcasters in Toronto and, um, and messaging them and just saying, I just listened to your break. It was so good. I I was laughing or I got this out of it. Uh, I'm actively trying to go out of my way to, to compliment other women, because I think that that's something that we collectively need to do more of. Yeah. I don't know if it's like maybe the change in the era over the last few years, but it's almost like, you know, at the time where you and I would have crossed over just here and there at the edge compared to now, I really feel a camaraderie with other women that I don't even hardly know. I feel like people have reached out about this podcast, just not because they're fishing for an invite, but because they're genuinely commenting on like something they love that they heard, you know, or like even like being out and about, we maybe in the past, either of us, if we saw each other might've been like, playing it cool but now we're like what's up how are you tell me about all your things like you know <laughs> yes and so excited to hear about one another like please yeah. tell me about you what is going on how are you like yes yes sarah yes, yes. i i agree with you and that's great i mean this shift is great i don't know what's in the air but it, i'm liking it let's talk about that environment now so indy is providing you with an environment where you like feel you can be yourself. You can be completely real. You're, you know, you're able to use the airwaves to talk about things you care about. Um, how are those early conversations? Cause there's always a conversation about the role you're going to play on air. And like, at one point you were the 20 something year old gal having fun when you were starting your show at Indie, your brand had changed so many times and evolved. Who are you now? So, um, who am I now? <laughs> um, it has been, yeah, it's been a, a long journey. Um, it has been years of building this brand, but yes, now um, I am. I 
I am a mother who enjoys to have a great time. I have young kids. Life is very busy. Um, I have minimal time for myself. But what I do, that time that I do have, I utilize. And I do um, I do things that empower me, like my workouts. Um, I'm somebody that listens, that likes to listen. And that's something that I've developed over time is, uh, is my listening skills. Uh, really, really, really taking it in and really listening to other people people, uh, other people's opinions, and really trying to, um, to be empathetic to all situations, because we're all coming from different places. And uh, I think that it's really important to, to know that there are a lot of things out there that are triggering a lot of people in ways that might not necessarily be triggering you. So um, it's important to let people speak. You know, even if you don't agree with them, people always say, you know, Twitter is terrible because it gives everybody a voice. I love it because I love hearing different people's perspectives on things. I think that it really balances me as a human and is able for me to really back to the tone, feel the tone of the world and to to try to mirror that tone and give a show that would be relatable to more people, you know, um, and I and I I. I think that the mom, you know, the, the working out, music is my therapy, going out to shows, still doing fun things. Um, I think that that's probably me now, me now. But 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 really, Sarah, like I really try hard to be real about things like to me, it's all about being real. Maybe I'm not you know, speaking as eloquently as I could be. Um, you know, maybe I'm not going to be the smartest. Maybe I'm not going to be the the prettiest. Um, but I'm, I'm okay with that now. You know, yeah. I, I think that we're all like, um, we're all onions. We're all onions. <laughs> and I, we're just peeling back those layers and inside is who we are. And I think if we need to, we need to peel them back faster and faster. And I think that, um, if, if I could tell myself, you know, at 1920 to peel back some layers quicker, <laughs> I would have, <laughs> there's your life cliche. advice. Okay. So part of this is about celebrating women and letting other women know that we love them. We respect them. We admire them. Who would you like to give a little shout out and nominate to come on this podcast? Oh, I would nominate my, um, somebody that I really look up to in the media industry. She's been in it for a long time. Uh, her name's Ajwa, Ajwa Nisia Boy. Um, she worked with me at Chorus Entertainment for a number of years. She is an absolute powerhouse of a woman. You would see her on television right now on CP24. Uh, she is one of the hardest working people that I know. She has done so many jobs throughout her career in media, um, from radio to television. She's bounced back and forth. Um, but she is so loyal and she's so knowledgeable. She is hilarious, super smart, so witty. I cannot say enough amazing things about her. I really, truly think that she would have an amazing story to tell from what she has been through throughout her career. You know, she went from one of the biggest morning shows in Toronto to being on you know, the biggest news station on television and somebody that I just look up to so much in the industry. And also Maureen Holloway. Um, she, I absolutely love Mo. I worked with her at Chorus. Um, she was doing the, uh, the, the Derringer in the morning show. Uh, she did that for a long time. That's, I, I listened to her before I was even working for Chorus. So she's just somebody to me that, uh, that I, I, I have always looked up to somebody that a woman on radio, 
in a in a world of men on radio that stood out to me that I was like, I want to be like Mo. I've always wanted to be like her. Um, so she would be my other nomination. Well, I have certainly been able to see, you know, the evolution of Mel over the years. And I think you're in a beautiful place right now. You're so like comfortable in your own skin and talking about things that matter to you. So congrats on everything. And thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Sarah. And congratulations uh, to you. And thank you for this podcast and giving us women voices and media because it's very important. So thank you, too. Mel truly is one of the nicest people I've met in the radio biz, and it's always a pleasure to hear her voice on or off the air. You can hear her doing the Midday Show on Indie 88, where she shares a ton of laughs as well as the real stuff. If you check out the episode notes, you'll find a link to where you can listen to her show as well as some of her social media links. Find out more at womeninmedia.ca, follow along on social media at womeninmediapod, and subscribe on your favorite podcast service if you haven't already, so you'll know when the next episode is up. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. We're now podcasters. And why did we call it that? Well, you know us as decorators, but we've got lots more to share. We want to talk about travel and relationships. We're going to have amazing guests on. Guests who inspire us for sure. We'll probably talk about design too. And of course, Tommy, don't forget about food. Oh my gosh, how did I forget about food? So please follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or as they say, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll pop right up when we have a new episode. Where's us luck? This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.